Oh, goodness. Oh, let's pray. God, I thank you again for just being here with us, Lord, as we just uh, uh, open up your word, God. Uh, just let the, the history, God, let the stories uh, teach us something, God, the prophecies, what, what you were doing through your people, through Ezekiel. God, just <clears throat> let, it, uh, let it impact us, God. Uh, that's why you gave it to us, Lord, so we could know you better, uh, Lord. And so I pray that just all of that uh, helps us in how we live day to day, God, um, to keep our, our mind focused on you, God. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, this is uh, a little bit will overlap to, from, from last week just because we're still in Ezekiel. Uh, if you're reading along with us, and you know, and again, I know I'm, I hit on this. It's a, it's a little bit of a tough read uh, of what's going on, and uh, we're going through this chronological. And so we're four weeks out from Christmas, uh, so that's going to be fun. Christmas in October, uh, that's where it belongs because that's when Jesus was really born. Uh, who knows? Anyway, um, but we're going to celebrate Christmas in October, and that's also our missions month. So we'll kind of hit and miss with some of that, uh, but we'll make sure and and celebrate it well. Um, so anyway, and then we're going to be, uh, with Jesus for a while. So that's, that's exciting too. Uh, cause I'm ready for some Jesus, man, this stuff, some of this stuff's really, really difficult to, to sift through as, as we're going through it. So almost feels like you're laboring through the prophets. I, I don't know, at least for me, it does uh, a little bit. So looking forward to that. And, you know, we're in one of these moments and we've talked about this several times, but I really think if you're, if you're taking in the whole of Israel's history, uh, this, this is arguably the lowest point that they ever experienced uh, right here, you know, in, in captivity in Babylon. You know, we, we hear a lot about Babylon uh, throughout all of the Bible and Revelation, of course, too. And so we're going get, to get into that later. But, uh, you know, that's going on and it's, it's, uh, it's a struggle, man. You know, and I'm sure a lot of them are like, why God? You know, like we do, too, when we go through difficulties. Um, but they're there, and they're in captivity, and everything kind of seems awful. And, but, the, but the thing is, again, just this repetitive thing that's going on, is this is when they get God. You know, and it takes that sometimes, doesn't it? It doesn't have to, but sometimes it does. Uh, I definitely think back to my, my life and my story, and I was, I was at a, I, I mean, I feel like it was the lowest point of my life when God got a hold of me. And so I don't know about for you, maybe you kind of walked it out and you never had to get to the bottom of the barrel. It's not a fun place to be. I hope you didn't. But for some of us knuckleheads, hard-headed people, uh, it just does. It, you know, it takes, it takes some pretty difficult circumstances to get us to look up, you know. And so that's kind of where Israel is as a nation. And so they've, they've been taken into captivity. Ezekiel's with them. Uh, you know, we saw the, the vision. We talked about the vision last week. And God went with them into exile, which is pretty neat. Um, and so he, he's, he's still with them, but, but he's, he's got to get them to look up. And so they're going through some difficult stuff. So we're in the second half of Ezekiel now, and, and God just continues to reveal some things about himself. And it's, and it's things we've seen, again, in, in little snippets throughout, but uh, he brings it back again. And, and I love, as difficult it is sometimes, but I love the second half of Ezekiel because it's kind of like this, this uh, just short little moment but it really encapsulates the whole thing. It encapsulates all the rest of the stuff we've read. It, it all comes to this moment in Babylon. In Babylon, you know, would any of us ever choose that? No, of course not. I mean, pick a country out there right now that you think is terrible, and it would be like them 
invading America and taking over, and, we, and they take us all, right? We don't just get to live in our homes, and, but now we have new government. They actually you know, take us to their land, and we have to live there in captivity and you know, all this stuff, and, and we'd be like, oh, yeah, God's plan. He's good. No, you wouldn't be thinking that. You're like, God, I loved you. You know, why am I in fill in the blank? You know, whatever, Australia. No, they're not. I don't know, whatever country you can think of. I didn't want to pick on a real one because then I'd feel bad about it. But that's what's going on. And it'd be hard to just see it that way, right? But God is like, hey, you, you keep doing, you keep going back to idols and you keep going back to these other things when, you know, we hit, hit on this last week, when I am what's best for you. I'm what's best for you. So there's going to be five things we're going to journey through, and none of them are long, so don't worry. It's not the five-point sermon, and there's 45 minutes of each. But, um, and it's these five truths to me uh, that we can pull out of the second half of Ezekiel. The first one is God's word is sure. I kind of, God's word is true and sure, but it's sure. If God speaks it, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. If he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. That's, that's just how he is, and that's who he is. Um, the second one is, and we've, and I, I'll continue to talk about this thing because I don't want you to miss it, and it's one of those things that I think outside of the Holy Spirit helping you, this is, I mean, it's tough to hear that God, like, and this is the thing, God's motivation is His glory. And that's a, I mean, again, that's a weird concept. We'll dig into it in a minute. I want to get going on it. But, and then the third one is God's forgiveness is for those who repent. God's desire is for revival and God's finale is going to be grand. That's what we're going to dig into today. So we'll start with the first one. God's word is sure. Uh, there's a city uh, called Tyre. It's, uh, it's, over, it's over just kind of north of Israel a little bit. And it's a coastal city. And way back in the, in the Bible times, you know, we've, we've heard of this city as we've been journeying through uh, Scripture. They're, they are a shipping city, and so they, you know, they trade and all that kind of stuff. And so under Solomon... If you'll remember, when Israel was at its peak, right, and there's all this wisdom, and Solomon's doing all this incredible stuff, and, uh, and then that just continues to spill over into Israel for a little while, and, and it's, it impacts them. Well, Tyre was one of their friends, all right? And they were friends with them because they, Israel was doing good, right? And they're like, hey, well, here's a power, so now we're going we're gonna to cater to them. And, and that's kind of their MO. They, hey, who's in power? That's who we're going to kind of kiss their feet a little bit, you know? And, and so that was kind of the deal, and they traded with Israel, and they even gave them gifts that, that went into building the temple. And so that's this city uh, that we're going to read about right here. And, and again, very powerful, very important city. It wasn't a big, big one, but, uh, but they, again, they, they're mentioned throughout Scripture a good bit. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this people group a little bit, because this is one of the passages, this is one of the prophecies in Scripture that a non-Christian or even some Christians used to say, that the Bible is errant, that the Bible is not accurate, because there's a prophecy that God gives Ezekiel right here, and they're like, well, that didn't come true. So we're going to read it and find out if it did come true. It's Ezekiel 26, and we'll end up reading 1 through 14, but we're going to read the, the first part there one uh, to get started. Ezekiel 26, 1 through 11, it says, in the 11th year, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. I don't know if that's, it's probably not how it actually sounded. I don't know. It might've been close. Son of man, which is a good phrase. Jesus takes that for himself later, right? Pretty cool uh, phrase that he's, because of Tyre, 
said concerning Jerusalem. So there's this moment when Babylon takes over and whoops on Israel, and Tyre is happy, and they celebrate it, right? Because they're becoming the power player now. So they're like, oh, well, we can't, we can no longer favor Israel. Like, they're not going to be in charge. Oh, good job, Babylon. And they kind of celebrate that Israel got taken out. And it makes God mad. It says, concerning Jerusalem, aha, the gate of the peoples is broken. It has swung open to me. I shall be replenished now that she is laid waste. So that's Tyre celebrating. So it says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Tyre, and will bring up many nations against you. As the sea brings up its waves, don't forget that image, right? I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever been in heavy waves before. Uh, man, they're brutal. I mean, they just beat the fool out of you. Like you just, and they just keep coming, you know. And it's like, ah. uh, the the little ones are nice, you know. But when you get into some six, seven plus footers, I mean, you can't you can't handle that. You're standing if they if they break on you, you're going down, man. You know. And then another one hits you, and another one hits you. And I've been in some pretty pretty big waves and had that experience. It's, it's tough. And so that's, that's kind of the image that we're seeing. And, and the waves, they shall destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers. And I will scrape her soil. This is, this is amazing. From her and make her a bare rock. She shall be in the midst of the sea, a place for the spreading of nets. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God. And she shall become plunder for the nations. And her daughters on the mainland shall be killed by the sword then they will know I am the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, bring against Tyre from the north. Okay, I want to pause right here. We back up to verse 6. It has been a, a third-person plural the whole time. They, they, it shifts right here to third-person singular. Very, very important. He gets real specific. This isn't one of those prophecies where it's like, it's going to rain in America, or let's just say Georgia tomorrow. Like, that's not even, duh, it's rained every day, right? Like, but people run around and say generalizing things like that and call it prophecies and like, oh, you know, this is going to happen. Oh, man, God gets real specific right here. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I will bring against Tyre from the north Nebuchadnezzar. He names the king, the king of Babylon, king of kings with horses and chariots and with horsemen and host of many soldiers. He will kill with the sword your daughters on the mainland. He will set up siege wall, a siege wall against you and throw up a mound against you and raise a roof of shields against you. He will direct the shock of his battering rams against your walls. And with axes, he will break down your towers. His horses will be so many that their dust will cover you. Your walls will shake at the noise of the horsemen and wagons and chariots. When he enters your gates, as men enter a city that has been breached, with the hoofs of his horses, he will trample all your streets. He will kill your people with the sword, and your mighty pillars will fall to the ground. Uh, I think I've shared this. Shay and I were in Africa, and we got to see the, was it the wildebeest? Is that what it was? One of the, one of the animals like that. I like, it was a herd of like a thousand of them. It was crazy. And they were tromping through the, and like the dust cloud. And so anytime I read that, man, it's just like, how intimidating is that? Like this army's approaching, and the, <laughs> there's so many of them. There's this dust cloud that just kind of follows them, you know? Whew, a lot of stuff. Okay, so now we're going to go into verse... 12, and he switches back to third-person plural, okay? Again, very, very important. They will plunder your riches. They will plunder your riches and loot your merchandise. They will break down your walls and, and destroy your pleasant houses. Your stones and timber and soil, they will cast into the midst of the waters. 
And I will stop the music of your songs, and the sound of your lyres shall be heard no more. I will make you a bare rock. You shall be a place for the spreading of nets. You shall never be rebuilt, for I am the Lord. I have spoken, declares the Lord God. So, amazing thing. Sure enough, God said it. King Nebuchadnezzar rides in. And the way Tyre was set up, it was a coastal city. You know, whatever, pick one that you know of. Savannah, that sounds good. So like if we were in Savannah and it's right there on the coast and so the ships could go in and out. But just off of the Savannah coastline, there would be a big island. The whole thing was considered Tyre. But there was a, a waterway between the two and it was a pretty, pretty good little waterway there. And so Nebuchadnezzar rides in on his horses and stuff, but he didn't bring boats. And he lays waste, the city man. I mean, he, there's nothing left. But as people are fleeing, they hop in their little boats and they paddle. Look, I don't know. They, I don't know what they did. Use their motor. I don't know. Um, anyway, they got over to the island where they were already doing things on the island. And so they escaped. And so that's why a lot of people will say that this prophecy is not right. Because Nebuchadnezzar did not wipe out the entire city of Tyre. But that's not what it says. They said he's going to lay waste the mainland. And he did. And guess what? There were military things that came after him, regimes and stuff. And so, you know, we have the Babylonians and then the Persians and then actually Alexander the Great, the Greece Empire. He comes through. Well, all the ruins are left there from from King Nebuchadnezzar. So he takes them, and what does he do? He scrapes the soil clean. And guess what he does with all the ruins? He pushes them into the ocean. You should look at the image of this today. It's because it's not an island anymore. It's a it's a peninsula. Because Alexander the Great shoved it all into the ocean and built a land bridge and went across and just whooped on them. And then, again, regime after regime, the Romans, the Crusades, the Muslims, until Tyre was no more. Until it was no more. The prophecy's right. To, to details, it's right. It's crazy how right it is. Um, and that's what happened to them. And, and it's just one of those things that, man, God's word is sure. And if he speaks it, it is going to happen. You know, and I know we got some end-time prophecies that, that we don't all fully understand yet. But Jesus is coming back. You can take it to the bank. Because God said it. And his word is sure. Jesus said not one word is going to pass away. Not one tidbit is going to be taken away. It's all going to come to pass. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. This is why you got to know it. we got to be in it. I was talking to Brian this week. We were talking about deceptions in the world and just things going on. Satan's never going to stop, you guys. He's going to take every little thing from God that he can and twist it and contort it and try to, there's going to be this little element of truth and then he's going to lead you astray, right? He's done it all throughout history and he's not going to stop now. He's not going to stop. And the only way I think is it's to be with the Lord. You got to have this relationship with God and you got to know his word. You have to know it. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Second, God's motivation is his glory. I will keep talking about this and keep talking about this because it really is the framework for everything we are. It's our purpose. It's our motivation for everything that we do is to bring God glory. Now, maybe you hear that phrase and you're like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I've struggled with that phrase before. The other night, I was, we got 
it's been raining so much and just, you know, ministry life is all over the place. And uh, so it's ups and downs and I hadn't had time to mow my, my grass. And so I called JD and he wouldn't do it. Uh, just kidding. Uh, I was like, I should, I, I honestly almost called someone because it was really like, when am I going to do this? Well, I had, I had installed a little LED light on my, on my lawnmower so I could mow it dark just in case this kind of stuff happens because it happens sometimes. So we got home late and I told her, I was like, I'm going to mow the grass. She's like, in the dark? And I was like, I got a light. So I turned the light off, and, and, and sure enough, like, there's just this path right in front of me I could see. Well, then I grabbed my big DeWalt spotlight, because we live in the woods, and there's big spiders, and they all come out at night, and I ate about six of them, I feel like, but I got and I was shining the spotlight, and that's what it means to bring God glory. Spotlight on Him with whatever you're doing, and you know it. You know in your heart, right? It's so easy for the pride the whatever to, to seep in there. It is. We all have it in us, that, that ability to let it become about us. We're really good at it. But to really bring God glory, it's us putting the spotlight on Him. And that's really kind of the definite, that's really how it breaks it down. We want to put the spotlight on Him. And I got to tell you, the other night when I was mowing grass, I couldn't see anything but what was in the spotlight. Nothing. I almost killed one of the fruit trees. I didn't tell Shay that until just now. I hit it, and it was going down. I was like, ah! And I, I was like, oh, I didn't get it out. I didn't knock it out of the ground. Because I couldn't see it. It got just outside the light, and I couldn't see it, and I buzzed it, and the tire caught it. It's okay. <laughs> it's a good place for confession. It's safe. She'll forget about it by the end of the sermon. His motivation is his glory. We want to put the spotlight on him. Ezekiel 36, we're going to just read a little snippet of this, but God speaks about why he does what he does. Okay, he tells you. Here it goes. Verse 22, chapter 36 of Ezekiel. Therefore, say to the house of cross plains, it says Israel, really. It's not changed in scripture. I just want you to hear this. Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of cross plains, it says Israel again, that I am about to act. But for why? But for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And, you know, I was just thinking about that. Like, like we talk about that a lot, taking the Lord's name in vain and just how we live. Like, are we profaning his name? Or are we glorifying his name to those around us? Like, it's really that simple, you know? And if we're living for ourselves, even if we're not using profanity, we're profaning his name. Because it's not supposed to be about us. My life is supposed to point to him. Are we doing that? And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you, this is awesome, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. So, they profaned him. Of course, there's a discipline, but he, he's going to vindicate everything, and he's going to bring them back for his name's sake. For his name's sake. It's repeated over 50-something times in Ezekiel, this, this little thing, that the nations will know that I am the Lord. He wants to make his name known. And, and God, wants a, God wants to be known, and he wants to be worshipped. There's this, there's this big phrase out there called narcissism, and I'm probably going to butcher that a little bit because... But it's this self thing, right? Like, like me, I'm the center of the universe. And it would be easy in the flesh to like project that onto God right here and be like, 
Well, God's a little narcissistic, you know? Don't you dare. We talked about this last week. God, God's holy and righteous, and, and I, I know we get into some things that like our, our fleshly minds, it's hard to like bring that in, but he's the creator, and he's perfect, and he's all these things, and he knows that he is best for you. That's it. He's best for you. He's better than any job or money or keep going, whatever it is for you. He's better. His plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. You're going to be fulfilled in Him and Him alone. Now, you may have temporary, but it's really a, it's really a facade. It's fake. It'd be like going to the gas pump and like filling up and, and like, oh, man, I spent $100. And then you get in the car and you go to start it and it's, it's on E. That's what the world really has to offer. It looks, it looks real good for a man. I got my, no, no. It's full of emptiness. It's full of empty promises. And God, man, whoo. He's the only thing that's really going to fulfill you and satisfy you. And the spotlight needs to be on him. Making him famous. His name known. You know, when you think about names, and if I threw out some names, I don't know what name you roll in, but like Tom Brady, you know, you instantly have some thoughts about Tom Brady, probably. If you don't know who he is, that's weird to me. But because um, he's a pretty famous dude, you know, played a little football. Uh, Elvis, there we go. All right, and I throw out his name like, you instantly have thoughts about Elvis, Taylor Swift. Yes, Swift, that's her name. Uh, I don't know, Justin Bieber, I was trying to think of. There's cultural gaps. I don't know if you, like, I know as we get older, we're like, oh, this culture. But, like, there really is culture gaps. There's things about the younger generation I just don't understand. And uh, I'm like, okay. But it doesn't make them wrong, right? And I think as older people, we tend to think that sometimes. Like, oh, they do it like me, you know. I already feel that way. Uh, but... There's these culture gaps. Anyway, I was just trying to think of people from different cultures. And, but Hitler, President Biden, right? I'm throwing these names out. You're instantly, you have an opinion. You have thoughts about them, uh, even though you don't even know probably any of them personally, because that'd be weird. I don't think any of us know any of them personally. But we have this thought. So there is something to a name. There is. And if I told you about Ben marsupial and i was describing and you didn't know his name because that's a made-up person uh like there would be no context so there is something to a name okay we know that we instantly form these thoughts and opinions and these ideas and so god wants to make his name known and he wants people to know who he is and who his character is and 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 why <laughs> all of this is going on so we need to put the spotlight on him. I love this. God's forgiveness is for those who repent. There's all this big, heavy stuff going on, and it, and it always boils down to this simple thing of repentance, of turning, right? That's this turning towards God. Uh, some people are like a 180. You're, you're turning from your ways to his ways. Ezekiel 33, 10 through 15 um, if you're in home groups, this is our, this is our text for, for the week. Uh, it says, it's starting in verse 10, it says, And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, this gets a little confusing, so hang in there with me. Surely our transgressions and our sin are upon us, and we rot away because of them. Now then, can, how then can we live? Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, 
I have no pleasure, listen to this, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, repent. Turn back, repent. From your evil, I should do that. I'll say turn back, you yell back, repent. No, I'm just kidding. That'll wake, that'll wake up some people. From your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wicked wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live. Yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered. But in his injustice that he has, has done, he shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. Yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Don't get, like that's a lot, like what's going on there? Man, Jesus talks about this in the New Testament a lot. Remember the rich young ruler? Super righteous dude. And I don't know, and I, I always said, I don't know what happened in the aftermath. We just get this little snippet moment. And Jesus is like, oh yeah, you want to hang your hat on morality? All right, big boy. Hey, you know all those riches you got? I want you to sell everything and give it to the poor. What would you do if Jesus actually asked you that? You think about that for a minute. Like, we all got a lot of stuff, right? I got a lot of stuff. I got stuff that just sits in cabinets forever, and I use it once every 10 years, right? We got a lot of stuff. Got our toys. I mean, what if, what if that's what was asked of us? Sell everything and just give it to the poor. So you have nothing. You're starting over. And the rich young ruler went away sad. He, he did. He went away sad. And then we have the story of Zacchaeus, who was this horrible person who stole from everybody. His own people, man. Like, oh, yeah, if I can make a buck off you, I'm gonna. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he has this desire to see Jesus. He wants to see him. He's like, who is this guy? And there's this longing, and he climbs a tree. And he's like looking, and Jesus sees him. Because God's looking for people who are looking for him. And he stops in this entire huge crowd of people who are like, oh, Jesus. And he sees the, the dude up in the tree. And he's like, hey, come on, man. We're going to go to your house. And I don't know what that whole scene looked like. I know there were people at Zacchaeus' house. I don't know how many. But Zacchaeus was a horrible dude. And he probably had friends because he had bucks, man. And whatever happened in his encounter with Jesus, that brother repented. And his life changed forever. And you know what? We saw it. There was fruit, right? His behavior changed. He reconciled. He did what was right. Jesus talks about this. All the, there's the whole parable of the wages, right? All the workers are working, and uh, man, they're, they're doing their thing, and they were promised, you know, 15 bucks an hour. I don't know, whatever. And then some dude comes at the end and works for five seconds and got paid the full day's wage. And what did he do? What did they do? They were the older brother and the prodigal son. Are you kidding me? I've been here the whole time. I've sat in this pew for 40 years, God. We just glaze over the parable of the sheep and the coin and the prodigal son because what we really should always recognize 
is that you're just as much a sinner as everybody else. What we deserve, we don't even want to talk about that. We should be excited and celebrate no matter what, to, what moment it happens. If Hitler repented, right? I hope he did. I hope he's in heaven. Because as horrible as the stuff that happened, I'm a sinner too. And I love how we justify and check people off the list because of what they did or what they didn't do. And we're not thinking with the mind of God because Adolf Hitler was a child of God. He was created. All right? That's hard, man, because he was an evil son of a gun, man. Did some terrible things. And I hope with all my heart that he repented. Man, if he did, the sorrow that that brother felt. This is tough, guys. And outside the Spirit of God, you'll never get this. You will never get this. You'll walk around as the older brother and the prodigal son, bitter and angry, and you won't go in and celebrate with the sinners because you're better than them. Man, that's not the mind of Jesus. Jesus was better than us, and he ate with sinners. He walked with sinners. And he had an impact, didn't he? He had an impact. Mm. Repent. Repent. Mm. God's desire is for revival. Love this, love this story, this vision in Ezekiel. Uh, Lauren Daigle did a little song about it. Uh, Ezekiel 37, uh, 1 through 10. The valley of the dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesize. This is so cool. God could have just spoke that, right? But no, no, no. He used Ezekiel in it. How cool is that? He allowed Ezekiel to be a part of it, and that's what he's like sending us to do. We get to be a part of God's plan. If we'll obey, and Ezekiel did. He prophesied over the bones. I mean, would you have felt like an idiot? All right, God, sure. Hey, bones, you know, like, so verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. I wish I had a little rattle. I don't know what that would sound like, but some bones clanking together. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and I was scared to death because that's freaky. And behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. God wants revival, I'm telling you. He wants to revive us. He wants to revive others. He wants to bring people to true life. And it's so cool that Ezekiel got to be a part of that. And I hope that we are praying for revival. I really do. 
I hope we're praying for revival. Verse 11, right after that, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, so Israel says, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. And he gave, he gave him this because he wanted to see that hope is not cut off. I mean, we're talking about God. And God does the impossible when we do the obeying. And Ezekiel obeyed. I mean, you hear it in there. I, 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 all right, God told me to do it. I'm, I'm just going to go say I was just wild and crazy, but I'm going to say it because you told me to, God. I'm going to go do what you said. And God's finale is grand. Ezekiel 37, 12 through 14. It says, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Jump down to verse uh, 24. It says, my servant David, we know David's day, he's talking about Jesus, shall be king over them and they shall have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived, they and their children, and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. God is going to bring Israel back to himself. We read about it over and over again. There's actually, I believe it's going to be in a mass, a mass return, honestly, at some point. And he's preserving this remnant of Israel. And you know, it's, it's why a lot of people talk about Israel and put a lot of importance there. I mean, they're, they're, they're a big part of this plan of God. And he, he's going to bring them back. I believe that. He's going to bring them back because he has done it time and time again all throughout history. He gets their attention one way or the other. They're going to return. Ezekiel 40 through 48, uh, we're going to be finishing up that, I, I think, the next couple of days in our reading. And, uh, and it talks about the future temple. And either this is a figurative thing uh, or because the temple hasn't been, been rebuilt since like 70 AD. Um, and, and I believe it's, it's talking about heaven um, and, and what it's, what's hitting there, this glimpse of the, the millennial reign of Christ or, you know, getting us, I know some heavy things there. And we're going we're gonna to deal with that when we get to Revelation at the end of the year a little bit. But uh, we get to be a part of this heavenly Jerusalem. We're adopted in. We're heirs. That's so awesome, man. What Jesus has done for us. So in order to get God, we, we have to get God. We have to understand him. I, and I know, again, there's, there's a limit to that. God's so far beyond. But he has given us so much into who he is. We have the word of God. We get to know God through the word of God. And then we get to know God through our obedience. When we learn to walk and bring glory to who he is. He shows himself to us. So church, we need to believe it. We need to believe it. We need to practice it. We need to make his glory our mission. We need to repent and surrender on the daily, probably. We need to pray he sends revival. We have no reason. I, and I know, man, it's a Sunday morning in good old Cross Plains community and the world is right, man. It's the fall temperatures are, are just nipping at us a little bit. We're like, ah, oh, 
fall. And it's quiet around here for the most part. And I feel like, you know, again, I know I told you I read The Hobbit and stuff in college. And like the little shire, and like it's just hidden from the world and no problems. And, and it feels like that sometimes here. I love coming in these doors and our little community and our family. And it's like, hey, I know there's craziness going on out there. But hey, right here, it's right, you know. It feels that way. But I just want to encourage you because we have no reason to fear this crazy culture and this crazy world, even though sometimes it feels like we do. There's big things going on out there that are way outside of our control, of course. And I hope it leads us to prayer. But I hope we have confidence in who God is and who He says He is and what's coming. (laughs) Because it is. It's coming. He's in control. And here's the truth. The future is so good for those who love him. It's sure. You can take it to the bank. The future is so good for those who love him. Again, I know that's real easy, sitting here together in this nice, peaceful moment to say that. And if something does happen and our country falls and we're under persecution and someone gets my kids, and it ain't going to be easy to say then. That's why we build our faith. That's why we day in and day out, man, we're surrendered to God. And when those times come, the Spirit of God is going to well up in you, I'm telling you. He'll give you the strength to walk it. He'll give you the guidance because we know there's a better day coming. Pray, church. Pray for revival. Do your part. Make sure you got a repentant heart and you're surrendered and that you are obedient to the things of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. I thank you that no one got stung by the wasp because that would have been really weird. God, but there's big things going on. There's always big things going on in the world. And the world's gotten smaller, God, because we get all this information thrown in our face all the time. And we hear about every little thing that happens all over the place. And God, it just seems overwhelming. It seems disheartening. God, it's depressing sometimes. Lord, but please, please, please help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and your glory, and that you have a plan, and that plan is Jesus, and people need to know Jesus. They need Jesus. There is victory, as we sang, in Jesus, and I'm so thankful we have that victory. God, help us to not keep it to ourselves. God, I'm praying for revival. Lord, I pray that people are just turning back to you, God, in droves, Lord. I I, I just hope you move in a mighty way across our country, across this community, across the world, God. Because I know that you can. When people will turn and repent, you, you move, God. And I'm praying for that, Lord. God, help us to not be the ones hindering that. God, help us to be crying out to you day and night for this. Because it is ugly out there. And people are believing all kinds of false things, God. And I pray, Lord, I pray that we live in such a way that they see you in us. God, help us to do our part. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ. What he did, God. Hmm. Thank you. God, we love you. Step by step. I know you meet us right where we are, God. Some of this can seem overwhelming at times. But God, just help us wherever we're at right now, today. Lord, to just allow you to lead us to that next step, whatever it is. I pray that we yield to it, that we surrender to it. 
and that we bring glory to your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and sing.